Welcome to the Gangster of Consciousness. My name is Catherine McIntosh, rebel, entrepreneur, mom, global, access consciousness certified facilitator, body intuitive, and founder of the No Judgment Diet, bringing you conversations to inspire you to follow your knowing and be the rebel by listening to your gut despite what anyone else might say. This is about being willing to go against the norm to create magnificence in every area of your life. Genius was not created by following the rules. All right, my magical friends. Well, welcome to another episode of The Gangster of Consciousness. And I am so grateful to be here with a very special guest. Um, All my guests are really special. They mean a lot to me in different ways. And this person... He's more significantly special than anybody else. Is more significantly special to go with our topic today of are you willing to be insignificant? (laughs) Are you insignificant? So my friends, welcome Mr. Alan Jones. Alan Jones is living in London, a resident of the UK, probably born and raised, right? Yes, mostly. Yeah. And I met Alan because he asked me to be a guest on something he was creating um, all about kindness. And it was the first time that actually, and I don't even know if you know this, Alan, but you made me look at kindness from a totally different place. So I was raised Irish Catholic. I was taught that kind meant being nice. So keep your mouth shut, smile, receive abuse, let that be okay. And I didn't realize until we did our episode and so until I started listening to some of the things that you were really creating in the world, what true kindness was. And so Alan is an access consciousness certified facilitator. He is probably one of the most irreverent beings I've ever met, (laughs) but he's also willing to be cheeky and say it like it is. And so with Alan, what I love is, you know, where you stand, it's either like love it or hate it. And, you know, there's no in between. Exactly. So there's no gray area. So Alan, Welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to see what we create today. So it's nice to have you here. Thank you very much for inviting me. It, it is a joy. And I remember that interview and it was fascinating for me to kind of play with all of those different people, yourself included. And, the, you know, the constant theme from everyone which was kindness is not about being nice. It's, it's actually about, anyway, it's about, it, watch the videos because they're still there. But, you know, it was such a fascinating journey to go on. And what's really interesting was um, it was so not significant to me. It's like, oh, I'm just going to invite all these people and just see what happens. And so it's interesting because of the topic we're talking about being insignificant. Because for me, kindness, in a sense, is so insignificant. There are so many things that, that we actually inherently do as, as people that are kind but it's so not significant that we can almost kind of turn that into insignificance as opposed to not significance and then under like totally undervalue and unappreciate it's like well and when people say things to you like oh that was so kind like have you ever had that and then sorry i know i'm diving straight in that's just kind of where the thought went is that when you're doing something kind when something like that was really kind and you look at them going is it it's normal isn't it like there was no significance it's like doesn't everyone do that no oh 
okay. <laughs> so maybe it's a bit more significant or not significant than I thought. Anyway, that's where I went with that. Hello. Well, well, I love it. Dive right in. That's where we're going. So what I you said something that I'm curious about. You said um, insignificance is different than not significant. What do you mean? Yeah. By that? Mm, so, God, I, I you know I don't even know where I was going with that, but there was an energy to it, which for me is when something is insignificant, it's almost like it then becomes devalued it's your you're insignificant there's a lot of charge around the word insignificant which is why i think we looked at the, the topic name you know are you willing to be insignificant and um so insignificant for me that like is so not valued this it's so derogatory whereas insignificant is it has a value but you don't place so much importance upon it that it controls you there's for me there's a different energy between the two when everything in your life is insignificant you have infinite choice when you make something insignificant you it's almost like then you're looking for a benchmark of the things that have to be significant to replace it it's almost like two sides of the same coin whereas not not significant insignificant whichever however you want to do that um it's just, yeah, it's insignificant. It's like, almost like interesting points of view. When, when I'm interesting point of view about something, there is no significance. It's not insignificant. It's just not significant to, to create control over me. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Well, and, you know, I, I, I like playing devil's advocate on some way, like looking yeah. at the other side of the coin is, you know, yeah. when we feel insignificant and it's those subtle ways of like, you know, yeah. I was just exploring yeah. it this morning of where I was like, wow, I didn't realize I didn't feel enough in this area of my life. And I went, wow. And this whole like door opened and I yeah. realized it was from this place of, wanting to be significant want like whenever i make my business significant it goes yeah, yeah. to the crapper right whenever i make yeah. uh, like what i'm doing significant and so can we talk a little bit because i think if we bring insignificance in there's also yeah. this this value of what happens when we make something significant Oh, I was going down a completely different route. Go, okay, we'll go well, wherever so, you want to go. Because I was looking at the gift of noticing that you are feeling insignificant. If you are feeling insignificant in some way, it's a great kind of, for me, it's, it's almost like when I notice someone's judging me and I have a charge on it, I used to get really pissed and really angry and, and kind of like, now looking at go, Jim, I'm actually really grateful. When someone judges me as something and I have a charge, it's like, oh my God, you're showing me somewhere and I've not been willing to clear. So thank you. Like, and they won't even get that because they're judging you. But it's like, for me, there's an absolute gratitude of when someone judges me of something that I have a charge on. It means I get to look at it, be present with it and change it if I want to. So if I'm feeling insignificant, it's like, where am I? Where, like, what's, what's going on here for me? If I'm feeling insignificant or feeling excluded, like I'm not significant enough, significant enough to be included or not significant enough to be seen by everybody. Like, what is it I'm really craving here? What is it I'm not gifting myself that I'm looking for externally? So I'm grateful in a sense when I'm feeling insignificant and you know, cause I've been there before and I used to use it against myself. Now I look at it and go, wow, thank you for showing me that. Now, how do I change it? 
what is it I'm not giving me? And what is it of me or what else is it that I'm not willing to receive that would take me from insignificance to non-significance to total appreciation and gratitude for whatever it is that I'm not giving myself? So that was that piece. And then when I, for me, when I make something significant, um, so if I, let's just talk about like a class that I'm creating or a call, just cause that's easy. If I make it significant, it makes it, I start to over control it. I start to look at numbers. I start to kind of over promote. I start kind of almost like cajoling and like grabbing people, needing people to come and choose. This is a really great class. You should choose this. And it actually does the opposite of what I would like it to do. It pushes people away. There's a funky energy on it. I start to get really kind of antsy about it. And if I don't totally kind of sabotage it so it doesn't happen, maybe I'll get two or three people who choose it. And then I come away feeling really deflated, like it was crap and I'm no good and feeling insignificant. <laughs> so it kind of flips it on its head at the end of it. It's like, really, it was like, I was insignificant. I'm not a significant enough certified facilitator for people to choose my classes over anybody else's. <laughs> well, and it's, it's crazy when we, like when you make something significant, it's like you decide what you want it to be in the world yeah right so like i look at yeah i look at like like let's say you and i were looking at a uh a pablo picasso right and you and i were literally both making our arguments significant and that you had to agree with me it's like it doesn't allow you to have your own perspective so when we create something and we go this is what it has to be in the world it you know it actually and it's what you were talking about i'm just saying it in my own way it's like yeah we we, we literally exclude the millions of people that could receive the gift because we're not letting it be what it desires to be Please it's like me. we yeah sorry no go for it um, it, it's, it, and it is, it's almost a bit like we don't allow it to be what it can be. And it could be something even greater, but we're kind of putting all of these confines around it. And when we make it significant, we, we, we require, we need other people to align and agree with our point of view about how significant it is. And if they don't, we then can end up completely slamming up the walls and barriers and stopping them from perceiving and receiving any of the other possibilities that we can be in the world it's like you no know, well you don't like what say it's almost a bit like at the beginning you either like me or you don't i don't make that significant i find it really funny and and there are people who can't make are people in the middle but you know it for me it's a joke and i don't make it significant but if i did make it significant that um it's like what being a certified facilitator if i made that significant which i know a lot of people have done and i used to do that when i trying to get there i started to cut off the rest of the gift that i can be that is has nothing to do with being a cf like being a cf is a certified facilitator of access consciousness is just one part of my life it contributes in so many ways to all of them but if i make it so significant that it's the be all and end all i kill my businesses because I have more than one, you know, I start killing my body, I start killing other possibilities. I start showing people that all they can see from me is the CF. They don't see all of the other stuff that's external to them. And 
so significant in a sense is we need people to align and agree otherwise we, we make a comfortable distance we slam the walls of the barriers that we push them away and we actually limit the contribution that we can do to them well we also limit the contribution they can be to us yeah because yeah. consciousness is, you know, a simultaneous gifting and receiving. And so anything you can't, you make significant, it actually can't evolve. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it almost dies. Yeah. Well, have you ever done that where, so when you know you're contributing to, or, you know, you've been asked to be part of someone's creation and they're making it so significant about how they've decided it should show up and you kind of go, do you know what? I actually get that if we change this, maybe slightly, or maybe did this, and you kind of go in with that, and then they kill you, right? You just like, rah! <laughs> That's all of this, like, saying, okay, you know, your creation, I it literally, this is just, maybe if we just tweak this slightly, so because they're making it so significant, and it's like, it has to be like this, they're not necessarily willing to, as you said, to receive the contribution from other people that could actually totally tweak it. So I have a guy called Timian who works with me. And one of the things I love about him is when like, we don't make, we mostly we don't make any of the creation significant. So, and when he says to me things like, what if we do this? It's like, oh my God, that's brilliant. Or sometimes it's like, actually, no, that doesn't work for me on this occasion. But, but if I was willing to make my, if I made my creation so significant that he suggested something, I, I know that some of my stuff would have just died on the spot and it didn't, it evolved because you need different energies. Mm. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's, it's, you know, it, it, there's a saying in access, which is everything's the opposite of what it appears to be. Nothing's the opposite of what it appears to be. And the more I do this work and the more I live my life, I realize like how, how everything truly is, you know, we, we were taught to, to make things mean something. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I've watched you and your, your journey with really embracing who you are as a being, embracing who you are, you know, as a being in a body and, and what happens when people make their bodies and their shape and their size and their sexual oh. orientation significant, <laughs> right? Yeah, all and of those, ne never done any of those. <laughs> one of the things I really appreciate about you is that you always poke the bear on the normalcies that we've been sort of taught that are acceptable to live within. So I wonder if you want to just expand on your own journey of what it was like for you to go from a place of really making, you know, your body and where you were in the world significant. And yeah. then how did, what did you do? What did you choose to turn it around? Thank you. That's cool. Because yes, both of those things, my body and my sexual preference were both hugely, like hugely significant to me. <laughs> because they were different to everybody else's and and not necessarily in the way you would think so as a child I was really skinny you know I had kind of ribs and I almost had a six pack just naturally as a child and I used to eat loads and my mother hated me for it and um so it was really significant that I was skinny and I was in London you know, she'd take me to the doctor and make it really kind of and I, I ate loads right it's not like I didn't eat anything 
And so I always had these hang-ups because this, my, oh my God, my body's too small. I need to make my body bigger. I need to, so I, I, you know, there was the significance of my body shape at that time was it needs to be bigger. Okay, so kind of as like you go through life and as I start going through life, my body starts doing exactly what I asked it to do and get bigger. And, you know, I remember after I broke my leg in 2000, year 2000, um, I put on a phenomenal amount of weight because I couldn't walk, you know, and um, I was the largest I've ever been. And of course, I was at the other end of the spectrum. Oh, my God, my body is just so fat and ugly and unsexy and no one's going to want to have sex with me and blah, blah, blah. And all of that significance about, you know, I can't get it right. The significance for me was I could never get my body shape right. If I'm too skinny, then I get judged. If I'm too fat, then I get judged. So I give up. And that's where I got to. I give up. I give up. I'm out. I just went half have a body. I didn't, thank God. And I'll talk about that. But and then of course you have the journey along that with this with the sexual preference. So I never really understood what it was as a child. I just knew that that men were more appealing than me. I liked my mum's boyfriends more than she did. They liked me, interestingly, more than they liked her. And not from a like putting a body parts fit together, but I don't know, there was just this kind of softness that, that I kind of experienced with my mum's boyfriend, which used to really piss her off because she never got it from them. Go figure. Anyway, um, and it was only when we were looking at things like the, you know, the clothing catalogs you used to get a lot in the 70s. I don't know if you, you have them in the US. We used to have Grattans and Littlewoods, and you, they're, they're just, you do shop from this kind of catalog. And all the boys used to go to the underwear page of the ladies, and, you know, and they, you know, they'd be looking at bras, and I'm like, I really don't get, I, I really was like, I hadn't even, I didn't even know what gay was. Like, what, what, what are they finding? Like, what is this? And then, of course, there was the men's underwear page, and I was fascinated. <laughs> I'm like, and it took me a couple of years to go, oh my God, they like girls, I like boys. Oh my, and then, of course, they then start to, that's there, it becomes significant because it's wrong, it's bad, it's evil, you're going to burn in hell, and blah, 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 and all of that stuff. So, struggling with that from the age of about eight or nine and then at 15 she's kind of going oh i'm just going to burn in hell because i i said i'm gay and i'm going to burn in hell for that so i kind of come to terms with the fact that it wasn't going to change but i'm going to die anyway (laughs) um and then coming out of the closet which i hate that term but you know, I look for the day when we don't even have to do any coming out bollocks. It's just choice. And you come home one day and you go, hey, this is my boyfriend. And your parents are like, oh, great. Not not even, oh, you're coming out. It's like, okay, great. Like, it's just so matter of fact. Anyway, whatever that would take. And I remember making my sexual preference so significant at the age of 18, 17, 18, that I would run around showing people that I was gay. You've got a problem with it, then that time, like your stuff. And I was like, it was so significant for me that people had to get it, that it's not, there's nothing wrong with it. That I became, again, all of these walls and barriers up, refused receiving from people who actually would be really kind of go, hey, just turn it down a bit because you're being a bitchy ass. <laughs> but at the time I would not have heard that. So, you know, a long story short, too late. Um, culminated with all of this stuff churning around, still not being comfortable with my sexual preference, still not really being comfortable with the size and shape of my body, it came to kind of checking out, then kind of finding the tools of access consciousness, and then just very gently starting to unpick um, 
a lot of the stuff that I was dealing with, who does it belong to? <laughs> you know, I used to use that all the time, all the goddamn time. Not even pot and pop. Who does this belong to? Who does this belong to? Who does this belong to? And I realized that most of the crap that I was making significant and meaningful was not mine. And then still trying to use the tools to lose weight, which is not where I wanted to go with it. It was, it was never about the weight. It was about having ease with my body. And that's a very subtle difference. I still see people sometimes using the tools to try and lose weight. It, fine, if that works for you, do it. Truly, if that works for you, go do it. But what if you use the tools just to receive your body no matter how it shows up? What if you use the tools to receive your sexual preference no matter how it shows up? And I had a weekend in France with a friend who inspired me by having no judgments of bodies whatsoever. And it was quite freaky when I first realized that that was possible. I'd never met anyone like that. And I'm like, wow. And this was the change for me. This was the piece where it went, what if I had so, what if I was so much space of allowance that I had no judgment of bodies or sex or sexual preference so that anyone who's around me, it never even occurs to them to judge their body, their sexual preference, their sex, whatever. And that was the inspiring bit for me. I took it out of just changing my body so I'm skinny and sexy and then people will like me because that's where it was, right? People don't like fat people. People don't like skinny people, but they don't like fat people either. <laughs> so what do you do? <laughs> and so, it was constantly, who does this belong to? An interesting point of view were two of my, I would, you know, you could pay me a trillion dollars and I would not give them up, ever. They are priceless. Well, and I think that's the, oh gosh, the, the magic in, you know, when you're talking about the tools, for those of you listening, we're talking about some of the tools from Access Consciousness and who does it belong to is one of those magical things because 98% of our thoughts, feelings, and emotions don't belong to us. And yet we make them so significant. Everything we feel yeah. we think is ours, everything yeah. we think about our bodies. And so it's, it is fascinating because we're taught that weight is significant. And I always ask people like, Hey, you've been trying to change your weight for 20 years. How significant have you made the problem you think you have with your body? And they're like, Oh my God, of course it's real. I'm like, well, you haven't changed it. And so anything we can't change, it isn't ours. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, I always look at what what would the world be like if weight wasn't significant? And you can apply that to any topic in the world. What would it be like if money wasn't significant? And so we use these different topics or tools or themes in our life, relationship and sexuality and skin color and like all these things, we, we use them, you said it earlier, as a barrier as a wall, yeah. as a reason to separate. And it's so fascinating in a day and age where <laughs> we've been forced to isolate and separate. It's also created this energy where we're also forced to look at what creates 
a unity or a communion or a, a, a feeling of oneness where you feel whole with yourself that you don't need anyone or anything. I think that's true. And, and I, this, this last year of, of being in lockdowns, I, for me, and I know for some people it's been pretty horrendous and, and, and unpleasant. It kind of hasn't for me in a way, you know, I, it's really, it's been a gift in terms of not just my own business, but um, looking at all of this stuff and even not being distracted by being around other people. It means actually being in my own home and noticing where this stuff is still coming up and going, okay, I can, I can change this now. I've got the space. I'm at home. <laughs> I'm not allowed to leave the house. I may as well, I may as well look at this. But I loved what you said around how significant we made it. We've never really acknowledged it. You know, I made my body shape significant for over 40 years. And I could make that, oh, it was 40 years. It's going to take a long time to change it. Okay. And if we didn't make that significant, <laughs> if we looked at that and went, what if it doesn't? So let me ask you something. So when you stopped making your size and your shape and your weight and your sexual sexuality significant, what changed in your life? Well, I, I think it's fair to say I'm still not totally there. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's still a journey. Like I'm, I don't have this all nailed, people. Like, and you know, like I still have days where I wake up and I'm like, God, I hate my body, and my, and I still have moments like that. I do. And then I use some tools and I get out of it usually within an hour or two, whereas before it would take me weeks, if not months. So I'm, I'm so much happier with my body now. And um, what was the question? Well, <laughs> yeah, what's changed in your life when you stopped making, I, let me phrase it this way. What's changed in your life when you stopped making your body the source of your happiness? or the Thank source you. of your unhappiness. Because yeah. most people use their bodies to make it the source of their unhappiness. They're, I'm yeah. too fat, I need to lose five pounds. I mean, I have so many friends, they know I'm the creator of the no judgment diet. And they're always telling me I need to lose weight, I need to go on a diet. And I'm like, for what reason? Yeah. Does, does a diet ever make you happier? <laughs> Well, and see, and the thing is for those people, because I know I've been there before when someone said, does it like, for what reason do you want to be happy? Because if I lose weight, then people, and like, I can give you all sorts of justifications for, for why it is important to lose weight. I used to. And now I look at it and go, you know, so yes, making my body, I do know, I no longer make my body the sole source of my unhappiness. Maybe, like I said, maybe three or 4% of the time, I'll be unhappy with my body. And it's often when I'm around other people. Go figure everyone. Remember that tool I was talking about earlier on? And all the residual stuff that I'm still holding on to for you know the rightness of my point of view that my body is wrong. So when I stopped, so for the majority of the time when I don't make my body the source of my unhappiness, I get to actually be more present with what does bring me joy? And my body brings me joy. Like when I'm wearing clothes and like that my body, when I, and when I ask my body what it wants to wear, when I ask my body what it wants to eat, when I ask my body what it wants to drink and how it wants to move. So today I knew I was, there was this kind of like kind of energy in the house this morning and I was feeling really heavy. And 
not not fat, just really heavy. And I'm like, I need to get out of the house. And so as I left the house, I walked up where I live and, and there's a huge kind of heath of just kind of grass and trees. And I'm walking around there and I the lightness just came back. And that for me was like, my body was not, it was like, it wasn't, oh, I can't walk along the heath because I'm too fat. It was, that wasn't even, that didn't even occur to me. It's just like, I'm here, I'm happy. My body is happy. It's moving how it wants to move. It's sunny. There's a nice breeze. That was joyful. So when I stopped making my body the source of my unhappiness and aiming to make my body look a particular way, then, then I'll be happy. I re- it becomes clear to me that actually I'm a genuine, generally, generally happy person all the time. Like now I realize that happiness is actually my natural state of being. When I'm not being happy, who the hell am I being? I mean, that's a really fundamental question you might want to look at. If you look, if you look at most babies, not all babies, some, some babies are, are not happy. <laughs> I was going to go be very badly behaved. And I'm not going to say that because I'd be very badly behaved. But um, <laughs> but if you look at most babies, like they're like lambs. You know, if you look lambs, they're kind of just gambling around. They're, they're just happy. If you look at baby elephants, they're just happy. Even big elephants tend to be happy. And then, you know, it's like our natural state of being is happiness. And it's just when we start making things significant that we start to become unhappy. I think that's what I found to be true for me. So how do you take something that you, when you recognize you're making something significant or, you know, in in my case, I'm like, oh, if this isn't working, there's something I'm making significant about it. So how do you go from where you are making something significant to getting to the place of, you know, basically, you know, in the tools of access becoming interesting point of view, but how do you get to that place where it's no longer significant? Right. Awesome. Great question. And there are so many tools in access and I will use as many as I'm re- as required. Because right, if this one's not kind of changing it, then I'll try this one. Initially, my my go-to is, is this mine? Who am I being? Who am I being here? Am I being me or am I being someone or something else? And that can often lighten it up. If it doesn't, it's just like, nope, apparently this this one wants to stay. Okay, so what are what, what are my what are my points of view here? What what is is the four questions? What is this? What is this? And I don't pop-pock. I don't mean you can't need to pop-pock. I'm like, no, no, no. Let's just be present with this. Because we so often want to push it away with pop yeah, pop 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 get rid of it, get rid of it. Get... No, 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 no. Be present, because otherwise you're not gonna necessarily get the space. What is this? What what actually is going on here? What am I aware of? Can I change it? Can it be changed? Yes or no? And usually it can. If it can't be changed, it's not mine. Can't be changed, it's not mine. <laughs> Because it's a point of view, you can always change your point of view. So, you know, if so, how do I, you know, can I change this? If so, how do I change it? What is this? What can I do with it? Can I change it? If so, how do I change it? And then if it's around my body, I will usually go and stand in front of a mirror. And because usually it will be something about my body. Oh my God, my belly looks so big and I make that significant. Right, okay, not having, I'm not doing this anymore. That was the demand. I am not doing this ever again. 
and not being that cruel to the world, that I am judging my body so much so that it invites people around me to judge their bodies. So that's what I really like, I'd love to invite you to get is, and not about making this significant, I can't even say it now, significant, but um, when we judge our bodies, we're inviting other people not just to judge our bodies but in a sense to show them that it's okay to judge their own I mean, it is okay if they want to judge their own what i'm saying is it's like we're almost being this enticement of it's normal it's natural we all judge our bodies like i had this conversation with someone once she said if you could change anything in your body what would it be and it was just at that time where i was having so much ease with my body i'm like well actually nothing there must be something there's not there's got to be something about your body that you hate but you see like that insidiousness and so when i what i really get what's true for me is when i'm being in and out but i'm receiving my body with no point of view and just really enjoying it i'm inviting other people to that too similarly if i'm judging the crap out of my body i'm inviting everybody else to do that too it's where i'm resonating i'm not willing to do that i'm not willing to be that person that goes around the world telling people that it's okay to judge your body because it's normal do you know what it's normal not to judge your body that i mean that's why i created the no judgment diet right yeah. so so what would you say to somebody who is judging themselves judging their body judging their relationship judging their money what would what would you say to them stop it <laughs> right really okay so that 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 is such a great tool just stop, just stop where you are right now. Stop, stop, use the tool. Okay, if I weren't judging my body here, what would I choose? If I were choosing kindness for my body right now, what would I choose? Right, and kindness, it, it, it probably isn't what you think. Like sometimes we think kindness is restricting or like from, from the way that we're taught, sometimes kindness yeah. is taking a nap, going for a walk, getting out in nature, falling asleep, you know, getting your bars on, like sometimes yeah. it's, it's, you know, those days where I don't push my body physically and I actually sleep, it, you know, it just depends. You have to, yeah, pay attention. Yeah. So you do, you have to listen to your body. Hey body, what do you require? Mm. What do you so require? Cool. And yeah, like, and for me, my body likes to have afternoon naps. And for so many years, I was told that that was wrong. You shouldn't nap. It's because you're too fat. You shouldn't nap because it means you're lazy. Like rah, rah, rah. my body has always loved sleeping. My, my mother used to hate me. Like I would get on a bus, I'd be asleep. Like she could not wake me up. I get on public transport, I would be asleep. You know, and so for me in the afternoon, I have a sleep. Sometimes I go back to bed for a half an hour twice a day. <laughs> And I don't make myself wrong for it. I've got all this stuff I need to do with my business and my business is like, you need to sleep. So go sleep. My business does not have a point of view about me going for a nap. I love naps. They're sexy and fun and they're nurturing for me. And I, you know, I'd love to go and live in Spain where they have a siesta every day. It's kind of, it's law. <laughs> like everyone goes to sleep. <laughs> you know? So you're absolutely correct. You know, when we just listen to your body, hey buddy, what do you require? What kindness can I be for you, sweet body? What kindness can I be for you right now? For what reason would you deny your body the kindness that it's asking you to be? Yeah. And and I think like, you know, for someone who might be listening to this or these tools for the first time, it's like being willing, you know, like 
in access speak. So we're, we're willing, yeah. we're like we ask questions, right? We're like, let's ask our body a question. And sometimes yeah. people go, wait, what? What? <laughs> what? Yeah. I mean, I used to talk to Duke and ask Duke questions before Duke could answer when he was a baby. And he would energetically speak really loudly. And, you know, the language of change isn't verbal communication. The language of change is the loudness of the silence of energy. It totally is. And this whole thing around talking to bodies, and, and you know, I, I forget sometimes because it's, it's become so normal so not significant for me to talk to my body there's the non-significance it's not insignificant it totally isn't insignificant it's not it's valuable to me and that was one of the things i learned from access was look your body's communicating to you all the time pain in my body like one of the things i learned was pain in my body is my body trying to get my attention and because it's like a child, you know, a child will kind of try and get your attention, hey, mommy, hey, mommy. And then eventually it'll be like, mommy, right? Yeah, and they'll scream and they'll shout and they'll throw things around. Like that's kind of what your body's doing because it's the only way it can speak to you in a sense when you're not willing just to go, okay, body, what would you like to, what would you like? Yeah, just what kindness can I be for you right now? And those are the times when you might get a vision of going for a walk or you might hear the words go for a walk or like it will show up differently for different people so you know i invite people just to really play with their body and just like it's a muscle it's a muscle that we can kind of work on so like almost like body dancing when you go and you know hey body what would you like to eat like and i i will look at you know i'll go to the fridge because i get that my body feels hungry so i'll open the fridge is there anything you want from the fridge and you know my body would lean forward for a yes i'm back for another I'm like okay so it doesn't want anything to eat, but do you want anything to eat and it would lean forward or, or come lean back that was how i started and the more i started to trust my body and listen to my body and when my body kind of gave me those subtle signals of oh my god i can taste some kind of food that, that you know that was often my body letting me know like it's pulling up a, like a a memory to go hey actually this would be really fun those kind of little kind of things like oh, you know i haven't eaten that for ages and then i'll go and have it and it is so super yummy and then i stop when it starts tasting like cardboard so this for me is that the more we start playing with our bodies and communing with them the um the less significant it becomes and of course the dangers his book the body whisperer is full of this stuff in terms of which and i would highly recommend people kind of read this book but he talks about listening to your body and communing with your body and talking to your body it's such a beautiful book and so easy to follow whether you've done access or not bam bam yeah. well thank you so much alan do you have any parting words that you would like to share love your skin you're in <laughs> you know i think you know everyone is on their own journey and I would just invite you every day to ask the question without any expectations of what you might get back. Just, just kind of really, just be really relaxed. What kindness can I be for my body today? What kindness can I be for my body today? Just ask that question before you even get out of bed. Whether or not you follow through with, with what kind of pops up for you, yeah, up to you. But if, like, what if you did choose the non-significance of kindness with your body with every choice that you make.
What kind Amen. of world would that be? Yeah. Amen. Well, we'll put links for where you can find Mr. Allen and all the amazing classes and things that he does in the world. And um, I'm so grateful, like to to just watch you shine and grow and, you know, create in the world and be the invitation, because it really is when you get out of what you think you should be, you can start to be what you are meant to be. And, yes. you know, I was speaking to someone earlier and they were like, oh, man, but how am I going to reach people? How are people going to, you know, she said, I have this capacity to change people, but I don't look the way I think I should in order for people to be attracted to me. And I said, like attracted to working with her. And I said, look, every, every single body on the planet is an energy that attracts different people. And when we honor that and we don't try and squeeze ourselves into something or compare ourselves to other people, everything can change. And you're such an invitation for that. And I'm just so grateful. So Thank you for poking the bear, um, for doing your thing and yeah, for just being you in the world. So my friends, thank you for listening today. Alan, thanks for joining us. And if you're curious about Alan, check out his links, check out all the amazing stuff. And thanks again for listening to the podcast. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for joining me on today's episode. If you liked what you heard, if you were inspired, comment, send us an email, let us know what changed for you and feel free to share with your friends. Also make sure to subscribe to the podcast to get the latest episodes and inspiration so you can create what hasn't yet been created before. It takes guts to do what you're doing so if you're ready to be the rebel, follow me on Instagram at Catherine underscore Macintosh and follow the No Judgment Diet on Facebook and Instagram for the latest and greatest tips to tap into your brilliance and unleash your awareness. Genius was not created by following the rules. <laughs>